Welcome to the Vulnerability Diaries. Uh, this discussion you're about to hear is, is held between myself and my boy Dan. Yeah, shout out to Dan Angry. The discussion starts with us tackling systemic poverty, then it branches off to discuss personal accountability in regard to people living in poverty. Yeah, and I'll explain briefly now what that means. I will firstly briefly explain what's meant by poverty living. I'm talking about environment. If we think of the areas that's considered underdeveloped, left behind, the ghettos, the ends or the hood, they're human-made through public policy decisions. Public policy decisions affects the physical and social features of an area. Public policies can affect the physical environment, like the actual physical environment. So public policy decisions can can affect the access that you have to various uh, healthcare services. It can affect the access you have to food, whether or not healthy or unhealthy. It can affect the rec rec recreational resources in the area. It can affect the medical care. It can even affect the community design. Yeah, so that's physical environmental factors. So physical features. Then social environmental factors, it's, it, it relates to like the social environment when it comes to like safety or violence or social disorder in general in the area. Yeah, and it relates to like the type, the quality and the stability of the social connections in the area. Uh, example I'll give is take growing up in a council state or tower blocks yeah that's a physical environmental feature where the local government the local government for years chose to not redevelop or improve that accommodation so the accommodation is stagnating and deteriorating and falling apart because of the local government's decision not to do anything using the example of the council block and council estate again these environmental factors affect large groups of people that sharing a living condition and many of of these uh, physical and social features can affect a person's health as well so that's the foundation that the conversation that you're about to hear between me and Dan is built on. So when you're hearing the questions that's asked, hopefully that gives you more context. Please enjoy. The environment is constantly reinforcing that they don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about you. Now, yeah, what I mean, happens if an individual internalizes that? What happens, how should we look at that individual's uh, accountability for their actions when they live in an environment that reinforces that they're not worth anything? Well, yeah, it's about, because you can go so many different ways with that, because you can grow up, obviously it affects you, mm. knowing that you're a left behind, that you're a have not, you're at the bottom of the cast, you're mm. all, all the other things around the world where like 
that can affect your self-esteem or your ability to have an identity beyond just like survival and poverty mm. um and it can go it can go so many different ways obviously you become highly politicized and want to change it mm. you can just be a self-fulfilling prophecy and say well if they think i'm a piece of shit then i'll be a piece, piece of, of shit, shit. Yeah. <laughs> like which is normal like human um psychology right like mm. it, it's very easy to become if if everybody tells you you're a piece of shit for the whole your whole life then why would you be anything else i get yeah. it so i have a, yeah so obviously i have a lot more sympathy for people that are forced to be reckless or ruthless if they're driven by survival and hunger because mm. that's obviously massively different to being driven by profit and already living a state of luxury but mm. wanting even more luxury at the cost of other people mm. i have no sympathy for that but obviously mm. i'll always have sympathy for people that unfortunately pick the wrong routes mm. that they that they could pick and like leave them lead themselves into more poverty or exploitation or exploitation mm. of others or mm you know gangs and other such things because it makes sense that people would join a gang like you think about it we spoke about it before like if everybody give, doesn't give a shit about you you feel like the government's left you behind your block's falling apart your teachers are racist your the police won't protect you and then you've got this bunch of other black kids or asian kids or whatever kids or just white like kids you. from the block yeah yeah kids that just look like you Feel, you know your culture, understand mm. your pain, and they're saying, well, let's all work together to make things a little less shit, yeah. even if it revolves around violence. And this it's, activities. It's, yeah, it's still it's better than nothing. Mm. It makes you actually feel like you have a family or a connection or you're not alone. Is it, it's like uh, the kind of push and pull factors when it comes into criminality. Yeah. So it's in the sense of, like when I hear of people commentating on violence in music, like drill, the narrative sometimes leans into they're encouraging the behavior, they're stoking the flames. You need to censor the individual's expression. Yeah, but art is just a reflection of what's actually happening. So most of the time, like art either reflects what's really happening already. So mm. there is violence and drugs. We know that. Mm. So the art's just mimicking real life. Yeah. You know, art, art essentially most of the time, all art is is mimicry. It's just mm. saying, this is what's happening. Uh, you know, and people, sure, there's those of artists that lie about them being part of it, but they're just talking about what other people are actually doing. Mm. So it kind of m- meshes well with the people that are, are doing it or know about it or mm. have thought about doing it. Um. Yeah, so it, yeah, it's always a bullshit backwards argument. It's like the because the music doesn't make people violent, but poverty makes people violent. Mm. <laughs> Music's just there, there is an avenue out of it sometimes. Well, you see the way when it comes to a society, they they adopt a tough on crime stance, and with the tough on crime stance, you dehumanize the criminal. Yeah, yeah, because if you if you put enough um, faces on the news and say like you know this is what a criminal looks like mm-hmm. uh, yeah to continue the stereotype pushing a narrative mm. 
it's yeah, it's ridiculous. It does dehumanize it, more than that as well. It just um, it makes the avenues to get out of it even harder as yeah. well because not only are you dehumanized, but then if everybody else around you stops seeing you a human, mm-hmm. then why are they going to offer you opportunities? Mm. And like resources aren't going to come to your area as well because mm. of that, right? Like an area doesn't get gentrified for the air, for the locals. It doesn't yeah. become nice for the locals. It becomes nice so the locals can be moved, mm. <laughs> right? Because like this, oh, this area is such a shithole. We're going to gentrify it, or like we're going to come and make it nicer, and we're going to build all of these facilities and resources, stuff that you never gave the people before, and that's why it was a shithole. Mm. We're going to build all of this stuff, but not for you. Yeah, you, you need to you, go. Your rent is way too low yeah. we're going to raise that rent up yeah, you need to pack your bags yeah you need go. to pack your bags and get yourself to zone seven yeah, yeah, yeah. you bitch yeah like yeah this is the thing like um i remember watching a really good talk that akala was on where he spoke about what is cool coming to the gentrification thing like who's it cool for right like dalston junction shoreditch and stuff what mm. this manufactured version of cool who's it for it's for mm. the middle class Right, so they feel safe, but still get all like the nice, p- fun parts of working class culture, mm. but at a price, mm. <laughs> without the actual working class being. There. Mm. Uh, we're not part of that, like you know, yeah. The middle class. I mean, in times of like extreme economic crisis and other things like that, the middle class fractures into two halves, and like it's very people that are in the middle class or they're doing a little bit better at the top of the working class, those sort of things could be taken away really easily right Mm. because you can lose jobs you can all sorts of things can happen that can push you back into the working class where you you and your family probably were before you're born yeah and your early years of you just being becoming accustomed to the world that exists because the world exists before you Mm -hmm. yeah and it was exist after you yeah not if i can help it Okay, <laughs> let's go. Okay, so you're living, you're living, you're living, and then eventually you get to the stage where you start to encounter the the difficultness of life, yeah? And then you could be hit with existential crisis then. Am, am I making sense? So let's say like you have a mental health breakdown because of years of accumulating trauma because of your environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that mental health breakdown could force you to start to reassess or relook at uh, society or your views of society. And you deem that actually living in a society where you prioritize capital and profit over human existence does not really seem like a society that is structured in the most correct way. Yeah. Some, some people can become politicized by their mental health crisis mm. most people that go through a crisis of that degree though they they can become politicized by it but whether or not they do anything with it it's another answer right because they've got to spend half their time trying to survive with the mental, the health, poor mental health problem yeah <laughs> it's a very difficult thing to do from day to day mm. and then to be political on top of that and like take part in Mm. things is 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 yeah stressful it's highly difficult mm. and to stay stable as, or as stable as you can be you know chronic stress mm-hmm. uh we all have that. yeah but the system's built in a way that places us in the environment where we all suffer from chronic stress 
because yeah, we're overworked. Yeah, we're overworked. We're undervalued. We're underpaid. Nah, you know, it's we're alienated. Most people are doing jobs that they hate, or like doing jobs where the the, the to do list never actually ends. Yeah, just another thing on top of another thing. You can, yeah, you'll never be in control of, of what you're doing or what your work is, etc. Mm. So like, um, yeah, um, because every person in the working class. Even the embarrassed millionaires and the ones that think that like they're going to strike it rich or all the other crap, mm. they believe the status quo feeds them, unfortunately. They're like one broken arm or one mental health breakdown or one mortgage mm. repayment missing to becoming, well, yeah, stuck or like street homeless or in a shelter. Like, mm. you know, we're all. One bad day away, one bad week away. Yeah, we could one or like you live paycheck to paycheck and you live vicariously like that. That sort of stuff stopped coming. Then you got to rely on the food bank. You know, it's very easy in this society to fall into poverty. You know, when it tries to feed you this dream that you can also be a billionaire, which obviously like they're less than 1% of all the global population. Which obviously shows that it's like a statistical improbability. Or to be a millionaire. The, to be a millionaire or a billionaire. It's a statistical improbability already. And What's like for every time a billionaire is born, like a hundred thousand people are going into like more extreme poverty at the same time. So, so you're more statistically likely to be one of those. Mm, but and for every billionaire born, you know, so many people had to be exploited along the way for that to happen anyway. See, I hear those arguments, yeah, and those arguments are heavily rooted in t- theory. So, like, understanding uh, what profit is under the lens of uh, socialism. So, if you're not looking at it through that lens, someone might argue globalization, the internet, entrepreneurship, it, it's a perfect uh, point in time for anyone to chase the bag. Yeah, which would just be lying to yourself though, because like it's you have to like we said a minute ago, like you have to have poverty in this society. You have to have have nots for mm. it to work. Mm. Not everybody can be a winner. It doesn't make sense. If everybody was a winner under capitalism, the model would fall apart. Mm. But the way the people then work is that as they just focus on them winning and the losers over there. Well, yeah, because they didn't, and then they'll come up with a million excuses. To justify, to, to justify it and say yeah. like, well, they're not responsible enough or mm. they're not doing this and they're not doing that and they're not waking up at 3am and mm. doing yoga and drinking kombucha and mm. doing their, their stocks and shares and they're not mm. doing, you know, they're wasting their time on socialising or mm. smoking a cigarette or... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the X, Y, and Z. Like, it's, yeah. They, they'll just come up with a million excuses to attack the individual without looking at any of the wider picture stuff that we've just spoken about. Mm. 